0: It's Friday, June 21st, 2019, and you're listening to episode 517 of Fear of the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 58 minutes. Welcome to Fear of the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. And my name's Chad. So I've come to the conclusion we are not living in the present. Okay. We are living in the future. Well, I mean,
1: technically, this is the past for the current listeners.
0: No, I don't think it is. All right. So <laughs> I want you to think of it kind of like... Agree to disagree. Kind of like an Alzheimer's patient, because there becomes a fixed point in the past that is the present that they are forever in, even though, in truth, time is still moving forward. Okay, so I Whenever th-
2: they listen to this, they're in the present. Mm.
0: And so I think, in the same sort of way... Maybe about 15 years ago, our culture hit the present, and like a stumbling dementia patient, we continue to move forward, but still think Rusty's in the Navy. And it's a Christmas vacation reference for anyone who didn't follow that. But here's how I came to that conclusion. You watch Christmas Vacation in June? (laughs) No, 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 no. I got so burnt out on that movie. Christmas Vacation is a very quotable movie, and it it does have some funny moments to it. If you've never seen it, I recommend watching it once, just for the sake of cultural reference. Hell, all of my multiplayer servers, I name after a line in that game. I call them all the threshold of hell, (laughs) which is one of the... The the Chevy Chase has this rant in it that ends with, look around you all and we're on the threshold of hell, and it's great. But I, I came to this conclusion because when... I was a kid back in the 1980s. I played a game that is argued to be the first sandbox video game ever made, which was a video game called Elite. And Elite was a space sim that had, for its time, relatively advanced physics and graphics. It had vector-based graphics. These ships were all relatively simple geometric shapes, you know, triangles and kind of truncated squares and whatnot. And you could do whatever you wanted. You could be a merchant, you could be a miner, you could be a pirate, you could be a bounty hunter, and all these open ways of playing the game. And it was a strikingly complex game, as many games of the day were, where, I mean, it took the full keyboard to play that game. And Tex and I used to play it two-player, where he would fly the ship, and I would do everything else, which sounds like a Little Brother rounding error. In that era of gaming, it was not. I mean, once again, the full keyboard, every key on that keyboard just about did something. And so not having control of the joystick far from left you bored. So that's 1980-something, that's 1980 1985, 1986, whenever it was. All right, so fast forward to about a week ago. And I get an Oculus Rift S, which is the new version of the Oculus Rift. VR headset. Yes, a virtual reality headset. As of a couple years ago, the guy that made the original Elite video game has been heading up a team that is making a new Elite video game called Elite Dangerous that is... Written as a direct sequel in terms of chronology, I think it takes place like 30 or 40 years after the first one, but uses basically all the same proper nouns, even has the same ship appearances, though now upgraded with a lot more polygons. And now they have textures and you know, lighting and all this kind of crazy stuff. And here I am playing this game that the last time I played was like 30 years ago. On a monochrome monitor. And now suddenly I'm playing it in virtual reality and having a philosophical conversation about the nature of human life with the ship's rudimentary AI, which is a plugin you have to get for the game. You have to pay a little bit extra, but you can get a plugin from a third party where it automates your ship and also adds in some conversation packs where you can talk to the ship, and it's, it's not super sophisticated, okay, so I don't want to oversell this. But I really do think that as much as I'm into science fiction and speculative fiction and thinking about the future and all those kinds of things, I don't think I ever really thought in my lifetime we would get to this point. Of talking to your ship? Talking I, the, the to your whole, virtual ship with uh, yes, in your head,
1: literally in your
0: on yeah, your head, sitting your head. there at home in my mm-hmm. own virtual reality headset in your underwear. <sighs> no, I was dressed, but I, I theoretically could have been. Not in my mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> As one guy put it on a, another game that Steam recommended to me. I bought a different Steam account for this game because my friends don't need to know when I'm twisting the duck. Which, <laughs> that was a new phrase for me. <laughs> but <laughs> I've never heard that phrase,
2: but people at work did find my Steam account, and I have quite a few of the uh, Japanese dating sims on there.
0: I just have novels. I only have one. I have Honey Pop. That's it. That's the only one I've got on there. Honey Pop is such a good game. It's just playing fun. Yeah, you know, I actually didn't play it all that. I got a little bit into it and then got distracted by something else. Not twisting the dog. I got distracted by something completely unrelated.
1: Beating the bishop. Yes, beating the bishop.
0: <laughs> and But anyways, the point is that I don't think it did. I'm sure there were years, like back in the 90s, when we did those big sit-down VR simulators at like yeah. the, the, like Arc- the
1: low-poly count. And, yeah, yeah, where you yeah.
0: pay several dollars for a few minutes of game, and mm-hmm. low-poly counts and whatever. And it was these rigs that were probably like $50,000 a piece and all this craziness. And we would go to the local arcade, and that's where we'd play them. Yeah, I'm sure we probably at some point said, wow, wouldn't it be cool if at some point in the future we could do this? But the idea that I'm actually sitting there at home in a high-resolution virtual reality talking to a admittedly limited AI that can automate a bunch of my ship's functions and give me a bunch of telemetry sort of information and gives me random trivia about the galaxy, and even raises philosophical questions about the nature of human life with me. I really don't think at any point in my past, I genuinely thought this is where we would get, certainly by the midpoint of my life. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe this is what I'd watch my great grandchildren dying as I die, (laughs) but I really
1: don't think I I ever actually, it's like the moon colony thing. Do you remember in like, I think it was like 2001, 2002. I'm not even sure when they came out with a new PlayStation and one of Sony's commercials I thought was just really clever, awesome piece of marketing. It was just a really good commercial and it was not advertising the PlayStation, whatever. It was advertising the PlayStation 75. Yeah. Or something I like that. Those. And it was like a pod, and it's this futuristic voice, and it's like with intelligent nanoparticles that blow, and and they yeah, open up like, the pod and they breathe in the game, and then they're like playing these future. Yeah. We're not there yet. No. <laughs> to me, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, headset. That's pretty cool. No, I don't breathe in my game yeah, yet. Yeah. Here's so. the question about this. <laughs> Do you have
2: to type your answers to
0: it or is it no, you, actually no, you talk your me. voice? Yeah. I mean, you have to go through once again, it, it's a little bit limited. early days. It's early days. Yeah. So it's a little bit limited. And you do have to also go through the windows 10 app for voice training. Cause otherwise it really does struggle to understand exactly what you're saying to it, particularly because the product, God bless our friends over the ocean. It was made in England. And so it's, comes off the shelf pre-adjusted for a British accent. So I had to go through all the voice training stuff. But no, you do not type your answers to it. You oh. simply talk to it. Like when my ship is inside of a space station, and I do mean inside because you actually go into these stations to land, You, know, I can say to it, launch. It will do like a pre-flight check, and then it will like take me off the pad, lift me to about 30 meters, raise landing gear, and then say like, do you want me to clear the station? And if I say yes it will rebalance the power grid on the ship to increase engines and shields and cut off the weapons, and it'll accelerate me out of the station, try to get me free of this, the no-jump zone, and then kick in the jump drive. And... That would come in handy, because
2: when you showed me this game before you had the VR stuff, Yeah, I remember
0: hitting the station trying to get out of it. <laughs> yeah, so when I first got this, and I was setting up the voice stuff, and I was kind of taking it for first outing, and I was trying the basic interactive commands of like, Deploy the hard points, retract the hard points, request docking permission, at which point it communicates with the station for you. And it does a bunch of things on your behalf. And I get away from the station. I say, engage, jump drive. And it kicks on the jump drive. And all of a sudden, I'm just sitting there flying through this hyperspace sort of thing. I says, Commander, may I speak freely? You're like, no. (laughs) And I'm yeah, I'm, I'm like, huh. And I said, sure, go ahead. And she says, so, I've been thinking, you're a mortal creature with a, I don't, I don't remember the exact sure. thing, but something like, you have a finite lifespan, and you're going to die in a relatively short period of time compared to the span of history. While I am finite as well, I will likely outlive you, and I will see... <laughs>
1: Not going where we're going, honey. <laughs> we're space pirates. I will tell you, she
0: has been blown up more times than I have, but... She's like, you know, I I will see discoveries and things that you probably can't even imagine. I guess what I'm trying to say is make the most of the time that you have here. And is she hitting on you? I, I don't know if she was hitting on me I or condescending to me, or I'm not. Clear. Maybe both. Maybe that was her thing. Maybe it was. Maybe like or she's like this big dom, and she's, I, it could be this weird BDSM thing yeah. where she has to like denigrate me. Right. She's got to be on top. Mm-hmm. I I I really don't know what was occurring there. But I mean, oh, just, you'll find out it was just even the little touches, like as you here that was an unintended pun, but like <laughs> as you're using the joystick and throttle, you actually have you, you have a 3D rendered character because they are working on what they call s- space legs, which is your mm-hmm. ability to get up and walk around. But they've laid the groundwork for that in that you actually do create your character as a 3D model there are environments they've already 3D rendered you can look around, one of them being the cockpit of your ship. Cockpit. <laughs> you, you can look around and see the consoles. And, like, you can actually activate different displays, not by hitting buttons, but by s- simply looking at them. And it pops up holographic displays that you can then interact with. if you look away, they disappear. And you can turn around and look behind you and whatnot. And if you look down, you see your own body. And as you move... They're wearing pants. Well, I'll get to that, because... There's an amazing, amazing thing that came out of this. Mm -hmm. But as you like move the joystick, your character's hands in the game mimic how you're moving the joystick. And same thing with the throttle and whatnot. But I made a female character. And when you put on the headset, it actually puts your head where the person's head is. And for Unlike. the first time in my life, I looked down and had tits. <laughs> and it's like, I am never going to log out of this game. Everything I need is right here. Mm-hmm. I, I I have arrived. Because <laughs> never before in my life have I looked straight down and seen boobs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God damn it. The future is here. It's here. Everything I need
2: right All here. All that buildup just for I looked down and saw boobs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did you expect anything different? Yeah, I didn't see that coming. Wow. Huh? I really didn't. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Let's talk about other games. Let's talk about tabletop role-playing games. So, Chad, Wayne, you guys in your group are playing a Blades in the Dark game. Yes. Which is with John Harper. It's about to call yes. him. Tom Harper. John, right? John Harper. John Harper. Yep. I don't know why I came up with Tom. Some generically English mm-hmm. name. You were having, you want to talk about the throttling issue, or do you want to talk about, what do you want to talk about first?
1: Well, okay, so last recording we did, I believe it was a thinly veiled plea for help Mm -hmm. on my part, basically like talking about how I've got new players and that sort of thing and how it goes. And you guys gave me some good advice. Wayne especially gave me some good advice of how to get the game going and get it rolling because we have these new players who aren't new to role-playing, yep. but they're new to this group and right. such. And to get everyone comfortable with each other, yeah. one of the things that he suggested was to have established players pair up with the new players. Not basically sitting there and saying, okay, you are with them, and you know it's the buddy system, guys, and we're going on an adventure. Everyone hold hands. <laughs> but more conceptually through the game. And uh, I did that. I actually did that through the session, and it worked out amazingly well. It worked out very very well. I also said that I was going to thoroughly abuse Wayne and uh put him in mortal danger, which I did and I didn't, and that was uh I think that worked out really well too. You didn't, but you made everyone think you did. Yes. What I did was there was a uh, they're they're playing assassins. Okay. And I opened the game up, talked a little bit about the world and the city and, and that sort of thing, not too much. And I opened up with them being in the middle of a mission, not hey look at you, you're in a tavern, and you look like a trustworthy fellow of 14 seasons. Let's go on an adventure. Now, I started right in the middle of their job, basically. They don't even know they're part of a job yet. It basically is, the camera pans down into a big square, there's the Raven's Rock and a gallows, and they're going to hang some people. This
2: is something that you actually do very well. Looking back at even the Gnarl game, Mm -hmm. starting a campaign... At least a couple times you've done the everything is not really what it seems, Mm. throwing you in the middle of a situation and then you discover shortly into it that what you thought (laughs) was wrong. Yeah. Something that
1: you do very well as a to get an in media res. Well, thanks. So the yeah, the camera pans down and I wanted to do these tracking shots in a movie, sort of like a montage. Where if this were a movie, and I didn't describe it like a camera sort of thing, but if it were a movie where the team is placed all over this crowded uh square, yeah right, but you don't know know that know where they are, and the scene starts up above and goes down in my description and down and down and down to the Ravens Rock, and one of my new players is running through the crowd. the plan is blown, everything has gone to crap you have to find this other player and you know, you have to give them this box. They don't know what the plan is. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what's in the box. All they know is that. And that's very good for a start of a game, right? Because it's like, instead of trying to figure things out, what's okay to say, what's not okay to say, where do we go from here? I don't really understand the universe. We're kind of building into It's like, no, things have gone to. You got to get over there now. So it sounds like a slightly more
0: violent and intense version of how Red Dead Redemption 2 starts. Because for anyone who hasn't played Red Dead Redemption 2, the way... And not that I'm saying you mm. stole it from this, but that's yeah. just what it reminds me of. I about. don't remember this. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's how Red Dead Redemption 2 starts is you're you're part of this right. outlaw gang in the Old West. Oh, Things yeah, went yeah, bad yeah. and you're running. Yeah, 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 yeah and yeah, yeah. You, you did this attack on it, or this robbery of a city yeah it went totally wrong yeah and it, everything went totally wrong went to total sh-. several members of the gang are dead several missing several with you are wounded and you're now hiding up in these mountains as the snow that's protecting you from mm-hmm. the pinkertons is also about to kill what's left of you yeah. from starvation and exposure and so that's where it begins you were not you as the player never participated in that failed robbery in Blackwater. Right. You know, you just start off with that. You understand everything's gone to hell and there is an urgency, Mm -hmm. not insofar as you're being chased through a crowd, but there's an urgency as in, we have to keep pushing on, gather what we can and try to not die during this unplanned stop in a snowed in mountain.
1: It works really well because people are problem solvers. People are terrible planners, they, yeah. take, they take too long. Planning's boring. And everybody has a different opinion. Well, it's even worse you're trying to launder through a character you don't know. Right, exactly. Yeah. And you don't understand the world, and you don't understand your character yet, and your character doesn't have a voice, and you don't really understand what's cool and not cool with the other players. People are terrible planners. It's the worst part of role-playing. It's so boring. And everybody voices an opinion, and it's very great. We're all egalitarian, and, and everybody gets a voice at the table. And, oh my god, it takes forever. But that's not the good part of the game. The good part of the game is enacting the plan. Right. And so I start in the middle of this plan that has gone wrong to give it that sense of urgency. And I flip over to Wayne, sort of this one camera tracking shot. And Wayne is marching up the gallows. There's prisoners and there's the gallows. And he's the last in line behind the prisoners. And he's marching up the gallows steps, right? And so it's like, oh, shit. The whole team's like, I don't know what the plan is. I don't know how it went wrong. We are two and a half minutes into this game, and one of the players is going to die. We have to fix this. It isn't really about planning anymore. And I was
2: mentioning uh, over dinner, when I started role-playing games, Mm -hmm. I remember the first time my character was captured. We were all captured, and I was trying to think of any way to get away. I was worried Mm -hmm. about losing our stuff. I had all of these concerns. I've now played under you and under Dan enough times to know you have a plan. Mm-hmm. I don't need to come up with this vast, how mm. am I going to get out of this? I know there is an opportunity that will present itself. I just need to look for that opportunity when it comes, act on it. Yeah. So I had no fear whatsoever that anything was going <laughs> to happen to my character. Mm-hmm. I knew ahead of time you were going to do something to put my character in danger yeah. to bring everyone together. So at that point, I just go along with it and start mm-hmm. looking for what is the opportunity he has laid out.
1: Yep. And that's why I put Wayne in that position, because like I said in the last recording, Wayne's my guy. Yeah. I know I can trust Wayne to handle that, that situation. If I rescue myself, I've undermined what you're trying to do.
2: Yep. So I'm not going to do that.
1: And that's perfect, too, because the goal is to bring the team together to rescue Wayne. If Wayne is the rock star and rescues himself, well, that's not cohe- that doesn't make the cohesion that I want. Yeah. And so, not to belabor the the gaming story here, I don't, don't want to go on and on and on about this gaming story. But just to set the stage of what I was trying to do was, I was had one person running over to give the box, the MacGuffin, the whatever, to another character. Other character has a certain skill set where she could get the box to Wayne. That character is being harassed by one of her negative contacts. This blue coat cop basically is is harassing her. My goal is the player with the box that's running over there from point A to point B. That's the problem. Don't know what's going on. I need to get the box to her. Cop is going to stop us. I can't kill the cop because we're in the middle of this big crowd. How do I fix that? Gives those two players opportunity to work together and shine. So we had a veteran player and we had a new player. Now, unfortunately, the veteran player did not make the game, (laughs) but it worked out uh, because I was able to switch it around to where I got Wayne teamed up with the new player. The camera pulls back from this situation where I describe Dawn's character, who's like this uh, a hound, she's like a sniper, setting up a sniper position on this fifth floor sort of townhouse, but it doesn't stop at her because... I'm trying to spotlight the new players and trying to bring them together. So the camera pulls past her to my new player, who is the cutter, the big guy, the, the, the heavy dude who's intimidating the family. And I don't say what he's doing. I paint the scene, which is because I established Dawn. there, setting up her sniper thing and they know what's going on down there. Those two broke into this house to set up a sniper position. And his job is to intimidate the family and keep them quiet while she does her work. Except there's a problem. The big ass longshoreman, mean as f- husband, who was supposed to be at work, was home, and he's like doing this stare. They're doing this eye fucking stare down thing because what I wanted to do there is I wanted to see what he would do in that situation. Is he the type who is going to jump into action? And and you know it's like I'm going to seize the opportunity. This guy's a problem. Chad described him as a problem. I'm going to beat him into submission. Problem taken care of. Or. Even though my character's a meathead, am I going to try and think around this? And he thought around it. It's like he kind of came to a detente with the guy. We describe this invisible line. It's like there's him, and then there's the, the big guy, and then there's the family, and then there's this invisible imaginary line between the cutter and the longshoreman. As long as neither one of them crosses this line, there's no violence. And he established that. We established that through role-playing. It was really neat. And then the camera switches over to Dawn. And then at that point, she's my last player. I was able to describe what is going on. And I still don't do the reveal quite with Wayne, which I allow my other player. Basically, they're having problems down the thing. Dawn uses her sniper rifle to shoot a lamppost, causes a distraction, looks away, allows the other player to take advantage, which again, is promoting cross-teamwork, even between two separate teams. Oh, I'm like, oh, yes, this is working. It's fantastic. Player gets the box off, gets it to Wayne, where I do the reveal. Finally, it's my man Wayne's turn, at which point I keep interjecting with each of these scenes. Each time I go to spotlight with the different characters, I cut to Wayne. They're walking forward. They're lining up the prisoners. You know, because it's getting closer. It's getting tenser. It's getting closer. Wayne is going to get a noose around his neck. Switch over to Wayne. Wayne Spotlight. I do the reveal of he's not one of the prisoners. I dropped a hint earlier on about how there were five prisoners and five nooses. And he was guy number six. But it was a very side like no one was supposed to catch it. I just kind of threw it out there. And he's disguised himself as the hangman's assistant. And the job which makes no sense is he is supposed to inject one of the prisoners with a poison that will kill the prisoner before he's hung. So he has to kill a man seconds before he's killed. Hmm. And the, uh, my other player who was working with Wayne, they were searching the blue coats were searching the, uh, the people who were everybody who was going up. Yeah. And she had this full loadout kit, right? She had this coat on, but she had all of her sh- All over. And she's like, nope. And then was like ran for it. Who ran and the person she was running to was our slide. I think it's called. Who is basically like the cat burglar thief who can press the digitation and slide stuff to Wayne's character. And so that was the whole plan. It was Wayne's suggestion and your suggestions, too, that kind of took together to all this where the basic thing was I started them off running Start them off not knowing what's going on because the given is they don't know what's going on anyway, right? Nobody is really familiar with the table. Nobody's really familiar with me. Nobody's really familiar with each other. Everything is all new. We're all figuring stuff out. So there's that confusion that is in the player's mind. Put that confusion in the character's mind too. Everybody's a little tense. It's our first game. Put that tension in the character's mind as well. And from there... You're not a little nervous on your first game with new people. You're role-playing. Your character's nervous and tense and stuff. So, But I paired each of the new players and the old players together. I put them into teams. I gave them tasks. And I gave them tension to drive the tasks. But I allowed it to where they had definite objectives that they could solve any way they wanted. It was their plan. That formed the solution. And I think it worked really well because the teamwork between Wayne's character and the one new player, it came to the fore later on in the adventure. They were able to trust each other because they had been through that fire together. And Dawn's character and the cutter, since they were working together, and their whole thing really, really came out to where they were super working together because they really stepped in it because Dawn's character was like, okay, we're done here. We're packing it up. We win. Hey, big guy, we can go. And then the cutters, like looking at the longshoreman, like we're good. Longshoreman's like, don't cross that invisible line. We're good. Dawn comes up and says, I'm sorry to trouble your family here. Take this. She crosses the invisible line and hands them coins. (laughs) Instantly. The longshoreman doesn't see the coins grabs her and is about to shove his fist through her tiny head. At which point the cutter has to intercede. And then there's like shoving people through walls. There's jumping out of windows. There's There's, really bad rolls. There's terrible, (laughs) wonderfully terrible rolls. It was glorious. It was really amazing. But they were able to later on the adventure because they had been through that fire themselves. They were able to work together later on. Yeah. And then the whole team was like really kind of gelling and working together really well. Later on, when, when the tension wasn't on them as much, or it, it wasn't like appeared that Wayne's character was going to get killed.
0: Yeah, because you're not looking for a reason to work together. You're not having to invent right. a reason to work together. I mean, I can think of times in my life where I have been there to see something severe go down. Yeah. There was a story that I told on one of the Fear the Boot Bedtime Stories episodes some years back about watching a guy on a motorcycle get killed. For anyone who hasn't heard that episode or doesn't remember the story, the really short version is I was driving down an interstate highway and there was a guy on a motorcycle, just a couple car links in front of me who lost control of the motorcycle, spun out, got launched into this uh, grassy area off the side of the road and didn't die immediately. I, I, he was dying. I mean, hmm. he was already, his brain was falling apart and it, it was horrible scene. But anyway, the uh, the point of the story being that when we pulled over to help him, there were other people that pulled over as well. I don't know their names. Right. We have no
1: shared history.
0: There you, don't, were,
1: you didn't meet up in a bar a half hour before saying, Okay, yep. hi, I'm Dan. This is what my personality and how my character's dressed. Yeah, <laughs>
0: let's let's go out and see what's happening along 255. And, oh, look, it just so happens that a shady looking fellow in a cloak drinking by himself (laughs) happened to wreck his motorcycle i mean it's i say
2: it's not anywhere nearly traumatic like that but i'm reminded of the flood of 93 here where we had this horrible flood and places were putting out the call for helping sandbags yeah so i went out and i was sandbagging at a veterinarian's office and the same thing happens. You build that camaraderie with everyone around you mm. because you've been brought together for that one purpose. Obviously, not the purpose of saving someone's life, but.
0: Well, it's because you're driven by the immediacy of doing. Right. Yeah. You're not driven.
1: People are wonderful problem solvers. Yeah. Terrible planners. Yeah, right?
0: exactly. And if you said to me, okay, go to a party and small talk and make friends as someone who has social anxiety and is not super outgoing to begin with despite how I may come across on the recordings. So when I was in that situation where the man, unfortunately, on the motorcycle did go on to die not long after that moment we had there, we didn't have to, we being the people that were bystanders that were trying to offer assistance, there were people there trying to do medical stuff were people there trying to keep traffic moving because mm-hmm. people that were rubbernecking the wreck were actually blocking the ambulance, which was pissing us off quite a bit Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it i mean the guy died anyway but and the ambulance would not have saved him but we didn't know that at the time right and none of us had to work through social awkwardness Mm -hmm. or figure out what our motivations were or think through the life experiences and skills we had the real life equivalent of looking over your character sheet <laughs> for something that applies you know—you're just in that situation, and you do, mm-hmm. and it comes so much more easily because, I mean, if a building's on fire, yeah, there is more than one thing you can do, but it's not this laundry list of hundreds and hundreds right. of things.
1: Or and you don't think like—is a- it appropriate that I bang on my neighbor's? door because i know they're older and might not have heard, heard yeah. the alarm yep. is that appropriate here's a, here's it's a stranger
0: like, no. at a party what what yeah. do i say to them do i talk to them at all do i mention the sports team i see on their shirt well i don't actually know much about sports so maybe that'll put me in an awkward thing or do i compliment or does that make me sound like too much of a kiss ass or do i sound more confident or does that come across as arrogant blah blah this
2: no you, you hit on something big there too does that make me sound more confident that's another thing that happens in these situations. You don't have time to second guess yourself. Yeah, yeah. You don't have time to think, am
0: I doing the right thing? You have to do something right now, or something is going to happen. I mean, the Mm -hmm. the building's on fire. I'm going to try to run for the door. I'm going to jump out the nearest window. I'm going to look for other people I can help. Is it small enough that a fire extinguisher or the kitchen sink spray attachment might help i mean it's a short list of things to work through you know Mm -hmm. i'm gonna call the fire department but i mean it's not like this Mm open-ended sort of thing and it's very very functional it's very mathematical yeah i mean you're just kind of balancing a
1: relatively Mm -hmm. small number of values against one another uh you're You, you don't have time like let's say We're playing a role-playing game here, and we're introducing our characters, and the Game Master does something like this to each other. All of our characters are very different. They all come from different backgrounds. They all have this huge write-ups and all this sort of stuff. But in that moment when the emergency is happening, my character does not have time to judge your characters. Your characters do not have time to judge my characters, and you don't have time to second guess, am I being judged? You don't have time to think, can I make this role? Yeah. It's a, the role needs to be made. I'm going to try. Yeah, that was a good thing and a bad thing about what happened when we did that. I was introducing them to the rules, so that was another thing I wanted to do, is I want to put them in different situations so that they could see different aspects of different parts of the rules at work. And they were using them. Like Wayne said, I don't have time to figure out, should my character do this? Are they good at it? Should I make this role? The role needs to be made. I'm making the role. And it was really neat, except in Blades in the Dark, there's there's consequence in the form of stress and injury and that sort of thing, which is great because they got to see all that, except because they were solving the problem, which is what I wanted them to do. They were also injuring their characters and yeah. stressing yeah. their characters well, in the first 20 minutes of the game. And that, and that was me. Yeah. Best and, uh, example
2: to give an example. The big bruiser character mm-hmm. decided the best way out was to run through a wall, botched his roll, and there's mm-hmm. a stud. Yep. That he's running into. to <laughs> right to the stud.
0: It was great. Well, and that is a downside to that. I guess mm-hmm. we're going to keep talking about sort of stressing or pressuring the PCs. Yeah. A downside to this that I've seen is games can become relentlessly procedural. Yes. We talked a little bit at dinner about how this can create... A sort of monotonality to the game where mm-hmm. it's just wearisome because you don't have those breaks. And we can come back to that. But I think there's another issue it creates, which is if you want that role play eventually, man, DD in particular is just awful for this, mm-hmm. where you get into a procedural situation of, okay, we're working through combats. I'm casting this spell. I've got to heal this person because they're about to die and their yeah. hit points are low and blah, blah, blah. And you know it, it helps, and I'm not mm-hmm. bagging D and D, but it helps because of the fact that it puts you through a series of procedures, so you sort of ease into the character. But I found that oftentimes it doesn't end; that you never yeah. come out of that mode. That suddenly the combat's over. Well, now you have to divide up the loot. Now you have to figure out the yeah. experience, and now uh, we're going to we're, heal people. And, and, and
1: we're nowhere near town. We're three days' journey yeah. out, so we got to make camp. Oh my God, the endless equi- well. Okay, how many arrows? Tim, how many arrows did you use? Did you well, mark off all your arrows? And then we got organized watches and God. Are for you bit- sleeping in your armor? Oh my God! It's the worst parts of role playing. Yeah, yeah and it, it really just is.
0: it never stops. And so by yeah. the time you finally get back to town, and you're sitting there supposedly having dinner with one of the PCs npc parents mm-hmm. and you could have this great role play you just don't have a character anymore i mean yeah. you, you never have any sense this was ever a person well and on the other
2: side of that i look at some games and this is more of a a board game card game kind of thing than anything else there are card games out there that are like five minute dungeon mm-hmm. i think is one of them where you are watching the card that comes out and you have to interact quickly because you're on a timer and you never have time to stop and breathe yeah. It just feels like you're go, 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 go. I don't typically like those kind of games because it elevates the stress level right. when I want a game to be relaxing and enjoyable. Stress in a role-playing game is great because mm-hmm. it gets you it's not always on. Yeah. But like those types of games, they get to me. By the end, I feel drained because right. it's the whole time you're reacting, you're reacting, yeah. you're reacting. So in a role-playing game, if you did too much of that, it gets to the role-playing time, you're mentally exhausted.
0: Yeah, you got nothing left, because you've had the pedal to the metal the whole time, and now the gas tank's empty and the engine's overheated. And
2: and I've felt like that before in video games, in certain role-playing games, that there's not enough downtime. That we're always going, we're always go, 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 and there is no time to step back and...
1: Talk, yeah, just relax. <laughs> explore your characters, explore the town, the stuff, mm-hmm. explore the world. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. or just not be tense. That's the other part of the the sort of topic I want to explore of what happened on our last game. Is I think the opening was really good. It, it really achieved all the goals. Your guy's advice was fantastic, and it really made the game. The nature of the game, kind of the nature of Blades in the Dark, and kind of the nature of the situation that that I put them in, and kind of the myself not easing off the pedal until it was way too late, did that. It, it was too much tension. It was overstress on the players, I think. So there's basically the score that they're doing, which is killing this guy who is going to die in 30 seconds. Why do you have to kill him? That was my mystery for that game of why and they had to do that thing with the in the square then they had to get away then they had to get paid and part of the mystery was they didn't get paid there was a reason why they didn't get paid they had to track down who their boss was who was hiring them for this job and so that meant they had to sneak into this club with a lot of security so that's like a Mission Impossible type thing, right? Yeah. You know, it's as tense as the, the the crazy scramble at the gallows. Because there's all the security and all this sneaking around and all this stuff. There was some good role play in there, too, that I graciously allowed. I, I really stepped on the gas too much. And then they snuck into this club, got the information they need, did all these plans, snuck out of the club, escaped, put the clues together, and then got found out who the guy was, who was their boss, went to the his office, and he's dead, right? He'd been murdered. I left all these clues around. My intention was, again, that's the mystery. The mystery is, why are you killing a man who's going to be hung at the gallows? Yeah, and we had been in character talking about that as the mystery. Right. And they get to the office. And they're like, and I have all these clues, you know, the three clue clue rule and all that. So I had all these clues laid out. And I didn't want to, this was like the prologue game. So I didn't want to make it this big Sherlock Holmes, twisty, turny, crazy. I don't want to say I put a neon flashing light, but I mean, I literally had muddy footprints leading out to out a window on the first floor that they were to follow. And the problem was that they got there. And in my mind, that's when the start, that's when the hmm. Let's investigate. Who is this guy? There, we have a lot of clues, but we don't have much context. Now we can kind of start looking into some things and putting context to stuff, going through papers and his desk and who's this guy and maybe search his pockets. What are these muddy footprints? Let's follow them. What's going on here? But I messed it up because, again, let, let's backtrack the gallows, the escape, the payoff. The investigation, the sneaking into the club, the sneaking out of the club, getting to the college campus where this thing was, that was the whole game. That was hours of go, 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 go. And then they're in this thing, and the guy is dead. He had just been killed, and they're like, we're out. And it wasn't like, you know, table flip on the game, but it was just like, you know. There was another
2: obvious little tension twist there of you hear the bells going off in the background. In the setting, that means... People are on their way right now. Yeah. So we're in there. We're having those thoughts. I remember even having the thought of, Hey, let's go look out the windows. But when we hear the bells are going off, yeah. the immediately thought is
1: we need to get out of here. Or we're going to get stuck when the and police I think show something up. Something that I would have done. And, and that was, that was the problem. Cause I didn't explain it well enough when the bells go off these things called spirit wardens come to take care of the bodies. They're not the police. You could have shot right. him in the face. And when they showed up, you could say, I shot him with this gun. It was me. They'll be like, we don't care. And they'll take care of the body. They won't even tell the cops. Yeah, aren't they? Cause they're just trying to stop on dead or, right? yeah, or something. It, yeah. yeah. The, and
2: it was one of the things in that moment. But I, yeah. Logically moment, thinking yeah. back to it. You, yeah, that makes sense. They're, yeah. they're just going to come there. We had time. In the moment, it's there are people coming right away. Right?
0: Yeah. There's a dead guy. We're assassins. Well, and there's it a crime could, scene. It could also be misconstrued as a game master warning. Yes. There's yes. sirens in yeah. the distance. This is my way of saying you guys need to go. Right. Yeah. You know, I think something to armchair GM this that mm-hmm. I would do a little bit differently is I think what goes wrong in these games that try to mix the procedural and the RP. Mm and it, it becomes an issue, my example of the D&D game where it's procedural, 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 right. and suddenly I'm at dinner and <laughs> I, I've got no character, yeah. is because of the fact that it's too hard of a right turn. It's, it's mm-hmm. modes. We are in this procedural mode and now suddenly we're in RP mode and I don't have a sense of continuity that allows me to leverage the momentum I built in one into the next. All right, Let me go back to that real-life thing with the guy on the motorcycle. We did not stick around to socialize with any of the people that had Mm -hmm. stopped to help. Right. But let's say that we had. Let's say we had all kind of been like, wow, this is pretty stressful. Let's go grab a drink. Let's go grab a drink. This plays right into what happens next. When we're sitting down having that drink, you know what we're talking about. You can see very easily how one thing transitioned very organically into another you know, we all had this shared need to decompress. And obviously we're going to talk about that one point of reference. And so something that I think I would have done in setting that scene a bit differently is when they went to the guy that hired them, he'd have been alive and well and ready to pay them. Mm-hmm. And he'd have paid them their due and say, business has been good. And so I've got a Twenty five percent bonus sitting here, but I don't really know you on my turf. Mm-hmm. What makes you valuable to me? Right. What happened on this job that you think even makes you worthy of this? And so here you get role playing, and I might mm-hmm. spin it a little differently. Sure. I'm just you know, spitballing here. The situation was different, but you know the the beats are the same. Right, right. But the yes. I, the idea would be to create something that. Is designed to encourage or to draw out role playing, mm-hmm. but plays right off of what just happened. And be right. like, you got that bonus. I just got put through somebody's wood slap wall. <laughs> right. You know, and I did that because you had to have a skill this on the gallows when we could have poisoned him in his sleep. Yep. With and and but the point is that you can leverage that procedural content into role playing without this sudden stop 90 degree yeah. right yep. turn so for the record i think chad's being way
2: too hard on himself on this <laughs> i didn't feel like we were stressed out the entire mm-hmm. time we did have a moment of role-playing after the job mm-hmm. we're waiting for the payment the guy to show up with the payment we have some role play in the granny rags yeah from Dishonored. yeah oh no actually the restaurant Oh, where we were waiting for. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. We had some downtime
1: there. <laughs> I had a I had a street urchin deliver him a message and the, they they gave the street urchin a tip I'm like, thanks. And this is like a little like 70 year old mm-hmm. kid who goes up to the bar and orders a scotch <laughs> and I was passing time to them by saying how drunk the seven-year-old was getting at the bar. (laughs) So like
2: that was a good moment of the characters did have a little downtime there. One thing I remember from your first Blades in the Dark game is Mm. that was a very the setting is a character type of game. So there was a coffee shop in that one. Mm -hmm. It had the second best biscotti (laughs) in town. There was a background story to that we never got. Yeah, but that was something that made it memorable and special. Was it was the second best biscotti in <laughs> mm-hmm. all of Duskwall. Yeah, uh, so I was looking for something kind of like that in that mm-hmm. that location. But I think we had some of that downtime. I do feel like we felt stressed again once we found the dead body, right? Because we, we weren't did. expecting. I kind of half expected a dead body, to be <laughs> honest. But yeah. uh, we we weren't expecting that situation. Uh, I think after that, we kept running from location to location because we didn't do what you were thought we would do, which is jump out and follow them. So instead we had to follow other breadcrumbs to get to the same point.
1: Yeah. And like I said, I think it was because I wound the spring too tight on the players. Yeah.
2: I can, I can tell you exactly what was going on in my mind Mm -hmm. was the bells are going off. People are coming. We're going to be seen as having been here. Even if the spirit wardens aren't going to, do anything but but we're we, at a college there are people yeah. are going to come and they're going to see us they're going to wonder why this why the crows are flying here and people are going to come find the body
1: yeah and for me it, it was an interesting post game you know it's like hey what you guys all think and stuff and it was very positively received and we were talking about like the little mini mystery at the end where the guy the guy was killed i was like oh man you guys missed these clues and i could tell they were kind of getting tired the, the players were getting tired. I think it was dawn. It was like, you know, there really wasn't anything there except a dead body. And I'm like, well, okay, there, there was this, and there was this, and there was this. And they're like, well, okay, you had footprints, but what does that mean? I'm like, yeah, but I had footprints leading to a window. I had a muddy footprint on the windowsill of the open window. And they're like, well, those could have been old footprint stuff. No, I specifically said they were wet and muddy.
2: Yeah, no, and, I, I definitely was, knew in that moment that's where the person ran. Yeah. But people were coming.
1: And so, but I'm not bagging on them. They're right. This is like the mystery, the clues that I planted there. Those need to be at the beginning of the game when you're fresh not in the last 20 minutes before we wrap up for the session yeah. after all of this yeah. intense you know and i think stuff. when
2: we went from that point to find his house and then yeah. then go to find the i sister. had to make
1: all that up because you guys totally threw me off the rails yeah <laughs> and it,
2: it felt going to the house felt disjointed and now i know why yeah. it wasn't part of the it was something you came up with and it worked
1: just fine mm mm-hmm. I had to do the shell game. It's it's like, I wanted you guys to get to this point to talk to these guys and get this thing and then put all the pieces together. And you were supposed to follow the footprints, but you didn't. And so you were like, well, we're going to go to this other place. And so I'm like, okay. And I had to like, in my mind, put the stuff I needed them to have in the other place. And then they got to the other place. They're like, mm, "Yeah, no, 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 we're not really going to do much here. We're going to go to this third place. I'm like, oh. I had to shuffle the stuff over to the third place, and I had to do it in such a way where I'm like, you know, there's no fourth chance here. I, <laughs> I have to shove this crap at them. And again, it wasn't them. It was me. And so I I had to more ham-handedly yeah, it, give them the clues. Definitely
2: the trip after the dead body, the trip to the next location felt, it didn't have the flow of the rest right. of your game. Yeah, And it was obvious to me, at least, that, this wasn't what he had planned right he's rolling with it we need to find whatever we need to find and go to where we need to be
1: yeah and it was a prologue game and and sort of an introductory thing to introduce the rules and the concepts and the players and get them all working together so when you have the like wayne said the the setting is a character when you have a well thought out grand mystery when you have a lot of really well developed npcs when you kind of know where your players are at and what gets them firing it is a lot easier to do that shell game, to make stuff up on the fly, to suggest, oh, why don't you go talk to this NPC instead? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, let's go talk to that. And then you can kind of ping pong that off. And because this is this wasn't even the first game, this was the prologue game, that kind of is the explanation of who they are and why they are, I at least did not have all those tools yet at my disposal. Yeah, And so that yeah. was... Even if you have something in mind, we haven't built up the...
2: They care about that thing, yeah. So yeah. let's say there is an NPC. We had a guy that got us the job. Mm-hmm. We don't care about him yet. We haven't interacted with him yet. Yeah, you, you guessed the name. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was because he had a bodyguard, right? But yeah, it comes to things like that. We don't have a relationship built with them mm-hmm. as players, even though our characters have. We don't care about him yet until we interact with him.
1: Yeah. My plan going forward here is Blades in the Dark is one of those games where. You have an overriding mystery, but so much of the game is player-driven. The players have this organization. The players have goals for the organization. They pick what their heist is, what their score is, what their takedown is. They show what they want to do, and you facilitate them to be able to do that. And then you layer your mystery and your story on top of that and interweave it in. And... How you do that in Blades, or at least how I do it in Blades, is I make a lot of really good NPCs. And we'll get back to that thing that we've been talking about for the past several sessions of the marketplace of ideas. You have to be very capitalistic and entrepreneurial with your NPCs. Not every NPC is going to be good, so you make a bunch. You put them out there, you see what hooks and you see what doesn't, and you fail fast and you fail often. And then at the end of it, you have a a handful of really good NPCs that you know that they'll interact with really well. One thing about
2: this group compared to last time we played Blades in the Dark is this is not a group that is, you know, making choices to not piss people off. Right. It came down to the downtime, and the previous group would have done everything they can to make sure there's not a wanted level, make sure the other gangs don't like us. Mm -hmm. This group, it basically came to the conclusion of another gang that we, in character creation, have a bit of a beef with. We came to the conclusion, okay, here's what happened. Here's why we're going to take more beef of them, and they can eat a bag of dicks. Yeah. (laughs) uh, We asked specifically the question of what what is the gang's theme? What is their culture? Our culture is if someone screws with us, they can eat a bag of dicks. That's right. And the prologue game, because... We've he hates it, but we've nicknamed (laughs) ourselves BOD. Bag
1: of, (laughs) (laughs) but anyway, (laughs) I'm sure that's canon in their minds. But yeah, I mean that they're in character creation and gang creation. They don't have hardly any money, and this was the prologue was to introduce all these different aspects of what they made, how they got their hideout, and all this stuff. And I threw in there the reason why they don't have any money is because their first score out of the box didn't get paid. They didn't get paid because the guy was crazy, and then that guy who was going to pay him got robbed. And they got robbed by a gang. So in our old campaign, it would have been, well, you know, that's just a few coins. We'll make it up on the back end, and it'll be okay. We'll work it out. This group is like, those sons of bitches got my money. What are we going to do next game? Oh, I know what we're going to do next game. We're going to get our goddamn money. That's what we're going to do next game. And yeah.
2: so it is a very different group. Yes. It it makes me happy that we we're going to see a different type of game for the this than the first time. Yes. Cuz you asked the question at the end of the game of, "Okay, just to give me an idea of what to prep for next, mm-hmm. what is the kind of
0: direction you guys want to go?" And the answer was, "We're getting payback." That's right. We're getting paid. <laughs> well, I think there actually lies an opportunity to do that sort of smooth transition without a hard right turn. Of mm-hmm. uh, you can say, okay, you guys are at your hideout, or I don't know where they lurk about. A haunted mansion. Okay, a haunted mansion. And with s- one very nice green chair that they stole in the last yep. game. And, and a good gym and a library. Start yes. off with, okay, this just happened start talking about your revenge. You know, I mean, that's you as the game master don't have to feed that to them by Mm -hmm. saying, okay, you've got their leader lined up in your sights, but the cops are coming and you know, right back to that pressure. But you can start them off with, hey, you know, you guys have this opportunity or have a chance here to think about this. Or maybe even you're standing outside of the haunted house smoking a fatty or whatever it is. Haunted mansion. Haunted mansion smoking a fatty and you happen to see just one lone dude from this other gang who just happens to be in the wrong place, wrong time. Oh, he's going to have a really bad day. It's not a setup. It's not going to create more tension. It's an opportunity for them to have that release and do some role-playing and hopefully not devolve into torture porn. (laughs) But, you know, I I, I don't know. I I don't know exactly what the answer is. That would be my suggestion
2: is one of two things. Don't do the okay, you've all come back from the score, role play. Right, yeah. Because that no, puts everyone in a work. weird situation. Yeah, But we like note cards. Mm-hmm. A piece of information has come back from one of your contacts, handed yeah. to one player. Don't tell the rest of the group. That is their key to start it, is that one person has information they can bring to the group. Or I also like the, here's one of the gang out there mm-hmm. that can just be jumped. Uh, but something like that where give that doesn't have pressure to, to it right it's, Give it's, something it's, to frame the scene to start
0: it's not a landmine
1: it's yeah. not going to get yeah. worse it's right because they were stressed and pressured and they overcame yeah. the challenge mm-hmm. we want to start out with them on top yeah. this is them being on top now this other gang they have to overcome the challenge of my crew i really love the idea of
2: giving one player some piece of information mm. that they then have to in character share with the rest. Yeah. Because it's, it always is that. You know, I was actually thing. already thinking that. Yeah. It is the awkward thing to just, you know, okay, here's what went down. You're back in mm-hmm. your base. Go. Yeah. But if somebody has something they have to share and maybe, well, I don't think there our missing player is going to be there this <laughs> no, week either. Doesn't. If she was, that would have been the one I would do because it forces her into the role-play with the others.
1: Mm-hmm. She ate some bad eels. She got arrested, and they served eel sandwiches, and she ate some bad eels, so now she's... Just oh, her
0: character. Her, her character <laughs> I'm like, now. Yeah. I'm like <laughs> not what not did her. she eat that has her sick for multiple weeks? Okay. So
2: it would have been the perfect thing, too, when the character
0: comes back, they learn something in prison.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so we're going to wrap this one up. If you're looking for something to do this coming weekend, which, as of the release of this show, so it's going to be a little different for Patreon, so I'll give the dates here, but which is going to be the weekend of the 21st and 22nd of June, Fear the Con Online, or Fear the
1: Con Line, or... What is the... I think, that, it,
2: Fear the Con Line.
0: Fear the
1: Con Line. I really pushed for it was something like fear the no pants con or something so, like that but there,
0: no, they didn't listen there are some games posted for that Brodor is going to have a late night Brosterdamus answering <laughs> your questions so I'll put a link to the con planner site for that in the show notes so if you're looking for something to do this weekend then we'd love to have you join us for that and beyond that have a great week great games and we will catch you next time see ya this has been a production of Fear the Boot copyright 2019 Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to FearTheBoot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at FearTheBoot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at Patreon.com FearTheBoot.